The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Good evening. It is uh, Monday, start of the week. We are set to go. We hope you are as well. Employment Law Show, Stan Fainzelberg is your guy answering all the questions. In fact, we've got a ton on email already, so we're getting to that uh, that inbox and chop that down as much as we can over the next 48 minutes or so and ask your questions about anything to do in your job life. It's about COVID-19 or uh, having to get a vaccine or your employer is telling you have to before you come back to work or anything about the layoff you're currently on or coming off. Anything. doesn't matter. Bring it on. Answering all questions here as it pertains to employment law and help at employmentlawyer.ca. But we always start the week that was. Stan, what's up, pal? Hey, John. So uh, today I just wanted to start off with a, a case that I had heard about that just come out of Houston, and I think it has really important implications up here in Canada as well. Uh, it's a case in which a Houston area hospital had basically mandated to its employees that they had to get the vaccine by a certain date or they would all be terminated. Now, again, I want to you know caution our listeners that Laws are very different in the United States. You know, we, I, I think the same situation wouldn't necessarily apply. I don't think the hospital can mandate that you be terminated if you don't get the vaccine in Canada. But nevertheless, they can certainly stop you from working. And that's basically what this hospital did. And 170 employees ultimately chose not to get the vaccine. And the hospital did exactly what it said it was going to do, ended up terminating them. They then turned around and sued the hospital, making a number of arguments, effectively saying that the the termination should be reversed. And the first argument that they tried to make in court was that effectively making people get the vaccine was essentially coercion, and it was akin to forced medical experimentation. That's the the wording straight from the case itself. And the judge found that really, first of all, he even used the language reprehensible. Uh, on top of which, you know, he made a, an interesting statement to say that, you know, the decision was ultimately to force, you know, to make people get a vaccine was a choice by the hospital to ensure that staff, patients, and their families were ultimately safe when they chose to visit the hospital. And, you know, he also, the judge also said that, look, you know, to the employees, you have a free choice here to either accept to get the vaccine. All that means is that. You, if you don't get the vaccine, you just can't work here. Right. So while there isn't necessarily a good choice, the judge made the the right finding, in my view, that they did have the choice between the two, even if they don't like the, the choices. Uh, the employees also tried to make the claim that the vaccine was not safe. And here the judge knew that you know, they provided zero evidence of that to date. And that the fact of the matter is that there's 300 million doses in the United States alone that by t- that time had been administered. And the effects fairly well known. The judge also made a very interesting point, I think, and, and I think this is what's you know very applicable in Canada as well. In talking about the competing interests between you know the community's rights and the collective's rights and interests yeah. versus the individual's rights and interests in this case, you know, the, and the judge said that the public's interest in having a hospital capable of caring for patients during a pandemic far outweighs protecting the vaccination preferences of employees. Mm, 
Yeah. Ultimately, the judge found that the the employees had no grounds to sue the hospital. Again, Texas is what we call an at-will state. So unlike Canada, where you are entitled to reasonable notice or severance in the event that you're terminated without cause, uh, Texas doesn't have any of those pr protections. Uh, at will literally means they can terminate you at any time. And as long as you're not being terminated, uh, this is actually noted that as long as you're not being terminated because you're refusing to do a criminal act, that's literally the only reason in Texas that you can't, you cannot be terminated. And Pretty the judge scary. noted that, yeah, and, and the judge actually, as a side note, noted that the vaccine is not, taking the vaccine is neither illegal nor carries any penalties. Wow. Wow. All I can say about after all that is, uh, you know, thank God we work in Canada. Definitely the different employment law rules up here for sure. First call of the night going to uh, to Rick. Hey, Rick, thanks for hanging on for a moment. How are you? Good evening, gentlemen. How you doing? Good, pal. What's, uh, Good. what's on your mind? Got a question for you. Uh, mm. I'm a, a truck driver that I travel all throughout uh, southern Ontario. Every night is like 42 years. And uh, an essential service, basically doing contract work for us was Canada Post, the company I worked for and we were deemed as an essential service. Now, last mm -hmm. year, I didn't take no vacation time off, but the bosses said, well, you know, you want to take your vacation, but you go right ahead. Uh, but I didn't, they didn't say I couldn't take it, but I didn't take it, I didn't take it off because we were so damn busy. You know, I should have took it off, but I didn't. But uh, I'm on two weeks vacation now for this year. Now, by rights, I understand I should be still entitled to the two weeks from last year. Should I not? Well, Certainly, if you're an employee, I would say you're absolutely entitled to that. But I think you mentioned that you were a contractor. Do you work as an independent contractor? Oh, no, no, no. I'm a, no, no. My, my company I works for is a contract, contracted out to. Oh. Uh, yeah, see, I'm an employee of a company. I see. That I'm sorry. Is. I misheard that then. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're entitled to that vacation. And if they, uh, I mean, you're not entitled to necessarily the time, because they get, but you are entitled to the money. They do have to pay it out. Oh yeah, I know they paid it out, but I mean, am I not still entitled to the to the time off from last year? No, uh, ultimately, you, it's you know your rights are to take the vacation at a time when the employer uh, allows you to take the vacation. They ultimately get to choose when that happens, and if you don't take it within the year, they are allowed to pay you out. So if they've paid okay. you out for that vacation already, then yeah. you know you've been you've been given. The, the money you're entitled to, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily entitled to the time off. Ah, I see you. So they're not obligated to say, okay, last year they don't have to, they're not obligated to say you can take the two weeks off. Well, they're obligated to give you two weeks off, but if you yeah. don't take it, they are allowed to just pay it out to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. They didn't pay, they didn't pay, they don't pay yeah. it out until we ask for it, put it that way there. They say in lieu well, of that's, that's they, unfortunately they, 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 not a, unusual. And I would tell, you know, listeners generally, you don't get anything you don't ask for. So if yeah, you want yeah. something like a raise or a bonus, you should ask your employer for it. Yeah. That's something. And I just, I just thought I was still entitled to that time off. Like, uh, cause they said, they, they said to me, basically, they said, you know, you guys are working, you're, you're in central service, but you know, it's, it's hard for you guys to take the time off. It was just so busy. Put it that way. Like, but, and I says, uh, what what goes is well you know if you want your money you don't have no problem take your money off and your, you know, your next pay period we'll pay it we'll pay up. And Again, we'll I mean as check. I said you're allowed to you're allowed to insist on taking the time off and a lot of people unfortunately make this mistake you know as of being you know too loyal to their employer, yeah. not putting their employer's interests sometimes ahead of themselves like this. You know if you yeah. if you need the time off and I do encourage you to take that time off because I think it's important. Then yeah. don't you know. Just tell them that I'm taking these two weeks off and get it approved, and that's it. I mean, I understand it's a bit busy time and you're trying to help, but 
you need to take care of yourself first. Oh yeah. So you're saying as and such then as, as myself that I took the two weeks vacation pay in lieu of the time off that I'm not entitled to the two weeks off? Right. They, you're entitled to the money and they gave you the money. Yeah, okay. No problem there. That clears that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Glad to uh, glad to help. If you want to reach out any further, you can do so. Talk to Stan another time. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred would be the way. They they two weeks they have to give you now. You can't. Um, <laughs> an employer they generally don't do this, but an employer can schedule your vacation for you, meaning you don't necessarily have a choice. They can tell you when to take that time off, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the, the clearest example that I can kind of give in that regard is when you think of teachers, you know, we don't think of them as getting vacation because, you know, their, their time off is the Christmas break or the summer break or uh, or during the March break. But all of those are, you know, government mandated time off for people, for children and also for teachers to take their vacation. Good call. Never thought of it that way. We'll take a short break, give you some time. You can send along an email. That is where we're going right after this. We've got a ton to get through, so hopefully we answer yours. So stand by for that. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the way. We'll continue. Employment Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show on Global News Radio. Welcome back. It is 720. You have a question for Stan. Willing to take those emails is help at employmentlawyer.ca. As mentioned, getting into that email inbox, pal. First one up will be our pal Alex. Says, guys, does one and a half times pay for working on a statutory holiday only apply to hourly wages or other forms of pay as well, such as salaried employees? Well, Alex, I mean, whether you're salaried or whether you're paid by the hour, you are entire, entitled to statutory holiday pay. Uh, usually as a salaried employee, the difference is that it's actually worked into your salary, so you may not realize that, but it's already factored in when you know you get your salary, it's whatever number that is. Uh, but both salaried employees and hourly employees are entitled to statutory holiday pay as well as statutory holidays generally. And that also applies to overtime as well, which a lot of people don't get outside of being a manager. If you're a salaried employee, you still qualify for overtime, right? 100%, John. If you are a salaried employee and you're asked to work more than 44 hours a week, you are entitled to overtime just like any other hourly employee would be. How is it calculated for a salaried employee? Well, I mean, you just figure out what their salary is basically on an hourly basis. So. If you do the quick math, basically just take the number, divide by 52 weeks, divide by five days a week, and divide by uh, eight hours a day or, or 40 hours, you know, and times 52 and then 40 hours a week. Uh, either way, you can figure out what their hourly rate is that way. Nice. And then you just figure out what the hourly rate is times 1.5. Awesome. Catherine is up next, says, guys, I'm currently on LTD, and I've been with my employer for 20-plus years. I'm 62, and if I remain on LTD until 65, would I still be entitled to a full severance after LTD cuts me off? 
Mm -hmm. well, I'm sorry to tell Catherine this, but unfortunately, I mean, if you're on LTD for a significant period of time and ultimately, you know, there's no reasonable chance for you to return to work, then you're not entitled to your full severance. Uh, that's very likely going to be what we call a medical frustration of contract. And in that situation, now, if you're a provincially regular employee, you still are entitled to something. Uh, our regulations do have a specific clause that says if you're if you have a situation where there's a frustration of contract, specifically due to medical reasons, you still get your minimums in that situation under the ESA. But in terms of your common law damages, again, if you're cut off at 65 and your doctor is effectively saying they have no idea when you're coming back to work and it's been you know several several years, if not more, then it's very likely going to be frustration of contract. Now, if she ended up getting severance before her LTD was cut off, they will take credit for some of that, won't they? It does depend on the policy, but many, many policies these days do say within the uh, policy book that if you get any form of income, and severance is a form of income, uh, while you're at the same time receiving disability benefits, then they will offset with that. And, you know, it's not – it's when I say income, it's not just severance. Oftentimes, it, what the insurance company will actually make you do is apply for CPP disability benefits. Because yeah. once you qualify for CPP disability government benefits and the government starts paying you, well, now the insurance company is going to offset that and say, now we owe you that much less. That's right. That's right. But that's a good thing to do anyway, because often, quite often you have to apply for it anyway. Um, Robert is up next. Yeah. The email address we use, by the way, is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Robert says... Uh, Hey, Stan, I was terminated after 12 years of service. It was a technical role, and I'm in my 40s. I was offered 25 weeks severance. Is that fair? Well, you know, the first the first thing we have to ask Robert, obviously, is what kind of contract does he have, if any? Because it could be exceedingly fair if he's got a very well-written contract. or it could, If he has no contract, then I would likely say that's a little bit short, no question about it. Um, based on his years of service, his age, you know, or what he says, mid-40s, technical role. You know, I would think anything in the range of 8 to 12 months is much more reasonable, depending on, on the seniority of the role and how old he actually is. Uh, so, you know, Robert, I would tell you if that's what they're offering you, just give us a call and we'll be happy to review that package for you. Reaching out any time to Stan, by the way, and the crew at the firm, it's one 855 821 There's also a website called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free. It's anonymous. It's designed totally for you as well. Even before that uh, that phone call, you can go there and use it. Bob, Big Bob's up next. Says, my employer gave me a month of working notice. I have an interview in Halliburton, and she denied my request for time off for an interview. Is that allowed? Yep. I would say that's very much not allowed, uh, John. And when this really goes back to the whole concept of working notice itself, because the idea here is that you're giving somebody notice so they can go find a new job, right? You're telling them their job is ending. That's why it counts for the purposes of your entitlements. If you're not going to actually give them the ability to search out for that job and and, and go to an interview at a time that they're working, well, then you're really not helping them find that next job to, in, in any way. You're not giving them notice because you're not actually terminating them or giving them the opportunity to look for it. And I would say in that situation, that that's very likely you know, going to be found to be conduct on the employer's side of 
that effectively allows Bob to say, you know what, I'm not going to have to continue working this notice for it. Uh, I think that allows Bob to effectively say, I'm, you're not, you guys are not acting in good faith, and so I'm not going to work out the notice period, and I, and I just want my entitlements and severance otherwise. Thank you. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I could see an employer saying, well, yeah, we've given you working notice, but the key here is working. So you're supposed to be working for us, not running around, uh, you know, northern Ontario looking for another gig. But I see your point now from a, from an mm-hmm. employment law point. It's like, yeah, okay, it is notice for all intents and purposes. If you would give them a month's severance, they wouldn't be in the office working. They would be out shopping around for another job, right? And that's and that's exactly the purpose of it, right? I mean, you're yeah. telling someone their job is ending so they can go and find a new job. Otherwise, it's pretty much it's pretty much not real you haven't given them working notice because all you've done is tell them their job is ending but you can't actually go and do anything else because we won't let you actually go for an interview if you if you happen to be lucky enough to find a, a potential interview and uh, by the way bob you get any static from the employer which uh probably a fairly good chance if you say that to them one 821 5900 to reach out to stan for sure use that number and keep it james up next on the email says uh, i've been off work for a week with a cold i told my employer yesterday that i feel good enough to return next week and they told me that i would have to go get a covid test showing i was negative or they could not let me come back to work do i have to go for that covid test it's a very i think tricky and difficult question a large part depends on what what kind of job we're talking about here and who's at risk if uh, if james comes back yeah, this one I think honestly turns on the, on the nature of the job itself. I, I can see so many situations where it's reasonable for for an employer to insist upon some form of uh, medical documentation to effectively say yes, you are capable of returning to work. I mean, if we think about it from other medical perspectives, like if someone gets injured at work and they say, "Hey, I'm ready to come back," and employer will, will should often say, "Well, can you provide us with a medical note just to confirm that your doctor says you're ready to go back?" So it's not that far off from that scenario where they're just asking you to confirm that you are capable of going back because at the end of the day, you and I as lay people, John, we're not doctors and we're not capable of providing a medical diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, Chris, thanks for making the time. Good evening. Yeah, good evening. Um, current policy for Ontario on wearing a face mask in the workplace, I'd like to know what the policy is the current policy, uh, as I believe in most up-to-date policy, is that you have to wear a face mask in your workplace and indoors generally. Okay, now the follow-up question. The follow-up question is, um, again, I, I called in a few weeks ago to the show. Uh, American company had and instilled this policy in the U.S., which passed it up along in uh, Canada as well. Now their current policy has changed where they do not need to wear the face mask in the workplace. But Canada has decided to instill the current policy. Can they do that? Sorry, I'm not sure I'm following you. So you have an American company that's that's trying to institute American policies in Canada? Yes. I mean, of course, our laws are different than America's laws, especially at this point in time. Uh, there are, you know, that being, you know, I don't know exactly what policy is, it, I, so I'd have to see it. There are actually instances when you can be in the workplace uncovered. As I recall, if you're in a secluded room by yourself, like your own office with a closed door, you are allowed to unmask in that situation. 
I think if it's any other situation where you're in close contact with other other people, especially where you can't social distance, you do have to wear a mask. Okay, I understand that. So, but again, my question is: when we had no policy of wearing a face mask a year ago, they instilled the policy. The U.S. decided to put a mask policy within all their warehouses, which mm-hmm. also came up as the policy to be enforced in Canada. Now the policy has changed for the U.S. The U.S. now no longer needs to wear a face mask in all their Mm -hmm. warehouses, but Canada or our Ontario division has continued to keep the old U.S. policy as enforcement that we have to still wear a face mask in the workplace. Well... All I can say is that a company operating in multiple jurisdictions has to comply with the laws of the jurisdiction. So our laws require face masking, and American laws no longer do, depending on the state. And uh, and really, I think that's probably what the company is doing. I, I'm not sure what it did from before in terms of if you say that they institute a voluntary masking policy. I can also say that that might be within their purview to do. You know, it's. They are, you know, there's lots of jobs where you're required to mer- wear a mask and it's not a government mandate. So I think in either situation, the company had probably the right, had the right to do what it did. As long as it's not falling below a certain standard, it is allowed to create higher standards. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I, I think I was talking to you, Stan, uh, a few days ago. That uh, I mean, mm-hmm. unrelated to um, unrelated to to employment so much, but I have a, a cousin who was in in Florida in the weekend and lives in Florida, and walked into a pizza joint wearing a mask, and she was told to leave because she was wearing a mask, not because she wasn't wearing one, because she was wearing one. She had to go outside the store and order on her phone for curbside pickup because she was wearing a mask. But that is Florida for you. So there you go. It gets a yeah. little hot down there. It does things to you. I don't know, man. Just like the laws, I mean, t- the news, the the current attitudes, the political environment, it's uh, it's all different, and we shouldn't conflate it with Canada as so many people often do. Uh, yeah. We're different. We're absolutely different up here. Different laws, and frankly, I would say better laws uh, in this, certainly those two regards. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it's crazy what's going down there in some ways. Like Chris and Bob before him, uh, you want to do that, you can do so. Or the email, we're getting back to those, help at employmentlawyer.ca. Alexis up next says, guys, the Ontario government website says I have to wait five years before I'm eligible for severance. Is that true? Well, Alexa, this is a mistake that I think a lot of employees make partially because the government provides, you know, some misleading information in this regard is that we have to remember there's two different meanings of the word severance here. In one meaning under the Employment Standards Act, severance means something very specific. It means specifically if an employee has been employed for five years or more, and if a company has a payroll of over $2.5 million or more, then and only then are you entitled to severance under the act. Under the common law, severance, you know, term notice, uh, pay in lieu of notice, these terms are often conflated, but they ultimately mean the same thing. And under the common law, the severance just means what you are entitled to in terms of notice or pay in lieu thereof. And it's based on your age, your position, your length of employment, and your ability to find new employment in the future. And and so you're entitled to that under the common law, again, whether you've been there for five years or, frankly, if you've been there for five minutes. 
Gotcha. Reaching out to uh, Stan anytime, 1-855-821-5900. That is the number of the firm. And you can go to employmentlawyer.ca. That'll uh, jettison you right to the firm website. While you're there, by the way, there's links to our long-running TV show. You can catch some of those episodes. Megan is up next. Has Hey, Stan, love the show. Listen for a long time. I uh, worked for a company for three years before I was on maternity leave for a year. I returned in January 2020 until being laid off due to COVID in March. I'm wondering if the time I was off for maternity and now due to COVID counts towards my service with the company. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, Megan, I mean, whether you're on maternity leave, whether you're laid off, or whether you're under on any of the other leaves that are available to employees in Canada, such as parental leave, uh, sick leave, what have you, you are still considered an employee of the company, and your years and time off during that period still count for the purposes of your severance entitlements and the way we calculate those. Hope that answered your question. Liz, we're moving on to uh, to you. You are up next as my partner's insurance company denied her stress leave application despite a written note from the doctor declaring she was unfit for work. Her company now wants her to return, but she's very stressed out and her doctor is against it. What can she do? What? Well, Liz, I mean, that sounds very unfortunate. I mean, ultimately, I think there's at least a few things that her partner can do in this situation. Firstly is appeal the company's decision on her stress leave. There is an appeals internal appeals process. And even if you've exhausted your internal appeals process, you can call the lawyers at San Fierro to Markin in our disability division and talk to them about, about your, your entitlements and whether you should be qualifying for the policy and whether, frankly, the insurance company is just refusing your application, hoping that you won't go to talk to a lawyer and fight for your rights here. Um, Beyond that, just because an insurance company looked at some medical documentation and decided that they don't think you're sick enough to work, that doesn't offset or override your own doctor's medical opinion, the person who's actually seeing you with an actual medical degree and has probably been seeing you for months, if not years, and knows your, your medical issues far far greater than the insurance company, uh, that doesn't override their opinion. And if your doctor says you're sick and cannot work, then that's what your employer has to accept uh, unless they want to try to test that somehow by, by frankly, forcing you to get an IME, which is a completely different situation. Know, situation, uh, they pretty, pretty much have to accept your doctor's opinion in that situation. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's worth mentioning, as you just did, Stan, that, uh, you know, ST Law, of course, has the old other side of the office, which is the disability law side. You probably catch a disability law show on Global News Radio as well. We host that one. And, uh, yeah, you guys are always crossing the aisle talking to each other. Just, there's so much there's so much overlay between employment law and disability law, and there's a perfect example of that. So you can always reach out uh, by the same phone number, and Stan will put you in touch with somebody on the disability law side of the firm. They're all pals. one 821 5900 to do that. Uh, Jane, up next. Jane says, guys, my husband has been on LTD for almost two years, brain cancer. His company will be terminating his extended health care benefits once he has been on LTD for two years. Is this legal? This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, there's if it, whether it's legal or not, the first thing you have to kind of figure out is, is does that the policy actually say that? Because if the, they have a policy, if you've signed your policy and, and your LTD policy says in it that they are allowed to cancel your group benefits after two years, then that's not technically discriminatory. That's just a contract that's been agreed to. 
if they don't have a policy that says that and they're just doing it because they don't want to pay for the benefits anymore, well, that is actually discrimination in that situation, as ironic as that may sound compared to what we just talked what I just mentioned. Yeah. And, and ironic, even beyond that, John, I mean, the reality is that benefit, if you are off on a sick leave, your employer doesn't actually have to continue your benefits. You know, it's, it's a form of compensation when you think about it. Nobody gets, expects when you're on, on disability leave to get your regular work, uh, work pay, your regular wages. And so in the same vein, they don't have to continue the benefits. But if they do continue your benefits, then they can't just cut them off in the future because then they're cutting them off essentially on the basis of discrimination that you, you know, because you're sick and they don't want to pay for them anymore. Plus, at that point, you're dealing with the LTD insurer anyway, correct? You are when it comes to disability, but you know, there's other. Uh, what I think this Jane is talking about here is the other benefits. You know, your medical, your dental, your vision, that stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The LTD mm-hmm. sticking right. Yeah, it's, it's that two year mark. It's always that two year mark when the insurance companies come calling and knocking on your door for sure. Uh, Jane, again, reaching out anytime. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred to stand. Remember the team at the firm. Can I give you more advice for sure and uh, some satisfaction as far as uh, other questions you have? Tony writes in. Oh, by the way, 416-870-6400. Yeah, you still got time, so we got a few minutes to go here. Tony's up next. Says, hey, guys, great show. Love it. Having had received a uh, recent severance, would I be able to apply for EI without any penalties or clawbacks? In normal circumstances, the answer would likely be no. You know what you should do, even if you do get a severance when you're terminated, John, is you should apply for EI right away. Mm-hmm. Because whether you're entitled to it at that moment or not, if you don't apply, EI might actually disallow you from applying in the future. It's a it's a weird quirk where I think they the insurable hours because they're counted on a cal- on a certain yearly basis, they might f- fall below a certain threshold. And therefore, you, if you say apply like a year after your your termination, you might no longer have the insurable hours despite getting severance at that point. Right. However, if you're getting severance in normal circumstances, EI will factor that into your entitlements and say, hey, okay, you got a year's worth of severance. Uh, we're not going to start EI until that year is up. If you're still unemployed, then you'll start getting EI at that point. How those are the no- normal circumstances. However, right now, because of the pandemic, the law has, uh, has been changed dramatically here. And the government's actually said that no, you know, up until from September of last year, up until September of this year, if you collect EI during that period, even if you get a severance during that period, we're not going to offset that with EI. We're going to let you keep both at this point in time. Got a call lined up here. We'll get it on air as soon as we can. In the meantime, I want to get to Tatha. It says, uh, my employer refused to give me a raise. Can I quit and use constructive dismissal? Uh, this goes back to what I think I was saying earlier, John, about not getting anything you don't ask for. And sometimes when you ask for it, you still don't get it. Uh, the reality is that you, you, you don't, no employee in Ontario is entitled to a raise. Right. Uh, the Employment Standards Act only provides for a minimum wage. Anything above that is between you and your employer. If they won't give it to you, Tatha, then the only thing you can effectively do is go and get it from someone else. Uh, Jose, good evening. How are you? I'm a good. I want to. Yeah, I, I can talk to you guys. My friends tell me to call you, but anyway, Beautiful. I got a quick story. They want no. my company. I work for 17 years. I drive a truck. 
And anyway, a week ago, I drive to Wisconsin, long distance. And I go and stop my truck, and I got to pop those things, you know, you lock at the door. So I go in the restaurant. I go to the bathroom. When I go to the bathroom, I drop the pop. I don't know where it is. I have breakfast. Next day, I come out. My truck is gone. No. Everything. Oh. So now, my company called me. I call them right away. Their telephone. I said, okay, listen, I'm in Wisconsin. But the truck is gone. So anyway, I come back, and now they want to fire me after 17 years. I said, what do I do? I don't do nothing. So now they want to fire me. Truck is gone. I said, did you, you, had, you got GPS? Yeah. Well, where's the truck? <laughs> I don't breakfast. I don't know what is going on. <laughs> 17 years I've been with you, and now you want to what? You want to what? Throw me under the bus? Come on, Chico. Que pasa, mijo? <laughs> So well, Jose, I mean, that's uh, definitely a colorful story. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm sorry to hear that happen to you. That's uh, kind of funny, isn't it? I'm going, I got time, I go to the bathroom, my father. <laughs> you come out, the truck's gone. It's not cool. Yeah. But yeah, does, that no, basically, I mean, does that rise to cause, Stan? Is basically, I guess, the crux of it, right? Yeah. I, I would likely say in and of itself, if that's a first-time offense, if that's the first time anything has happened at work, Jose, then no, I don't think they could just fire you outright and not pay you uh, severance. You, you know, you in driving, as I understand it, you know, there, people are ex- expected a certain amount of leeway when it comes to violations. I mean, it's expected when you're a truck driver that there's eventually going to be some violation or accident. It, it just sort of comes with the territory. Um, I, I've got a number of transportation companies I work with, and I see it all the time. So, again, expect having a one accident or one issue with a truck getting stolen in 17 years. I mean, it's unfortunate, but I don't think that's cause. Plus, I mean, you know, come on. Who wants to pick up the fob after you've dropped it on the bathroom floor anyway? Take the truck. Go ahead. Take it. I wouldn't do it. That's uh, just about it for today. we got time for uh, one more email. Let's see if we can get a quick one in here before we slide out of here. And uh, that will be tomorrow. How do I know if I've been wrongfully terminated and entitled to money? Well, Twitter, I mean, all a wrongful termination means in, in law at the end of the day is that you've been let go and you haven't been paid enough money. Um, and the way you figure that out is you go to the severance pay calculator and then you give us a call and talk to a lawyer about what your rights are. And that'll just about do it for tonight. Stan, nicely done, brother. Take a take a take a bit of a break now. We'll uh, we'll reconvene on Wednesday night is the next time you're gonna catch the show. In the meantime, reaching out one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca, the website designed for you, free, anonymous pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Stick around, do not move a muscle. On Point Returns, Alex Pearson, coming back. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.